0: Hello, I'm Jesse Wolves from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 25. So, you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and the preacher is Chris Sirawira. So, let's read Hebrews 10.
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and kindness to us. We thank you for this new day that you have blessed us with. Uh, We ask, O Lord, that you might help us to understand this word and apply it to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, friends, encouragement. We had a great talk this morning from Jesse, cheering the little kids as they, well, the two of them, as they ran up and down the, the aisle, um, We all need encouragement, don't we? Anyone here in this place who doesn't like to be encouraged, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm sure we need encouragement along the way. Um, An encouraging word or action can turn a bad day to a good one. For example, boss at work gives you an encouraging word. It will make your day, I believe, I hope, a good one in the office. Or for example, if we walk into the room of our young teenage son or daughter and notice that the room is potless, we might say something like, well done son or daughter, your room is looking great. It's, it's an absolute miracle. No, we wouldn't say that. <laughs> um, we hope then that the word of encouragement to them will encourage them to keep their rooms nice and tidy as well. So encouragement, we all need it. We need it in our personal lives. We need it in our Christian walk and journey as we travel together, as we journey together in this wonderful Christian race that God has called us to by his grace and set us on this remarkable journey. And so encouragement uh, to, to persevere in the faith is something that I want to look at this morning and the message is titled keep on persevering and the question is how we love to receive encouragement and our text this morning in hebrews chapter 10 19 to 25 is one of encouragement you see in your bibles it is one of encouragement to keep on persevering it is one that encourages us in practical living that flows from our doctrine and understanding of christ who is the Who is the author of our faith so the letter of the book of Hebrews does not identify the author there are some who believe that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter Uh, we can say that whoever wrote Hebrews was well versed in the Old Testament as is evident in this letter as we see numerous numerous references to the Old Testament so the audience Or the recipients of this letter had a Jewish background and they were suffering persecution as Christians are suffering persecution today. If you see in your newsletter uh, we hear about a minister who was killed in a fire. We hear of persecution across the world for Christians and these Christians at the time were tempted to go back to the old covenant system to escape the suffering they endured by following Jesus. And the author writes this letter to encourage them and to convince them, these believers, not to go back to their old ways, as this would be foolish. And the author reminds them that there is a new and living way, as we will see in a moment, to continue on in the Christian faith. And what a challenge it is for us as well today, isn't it, as Christians, as we live in this context today of a real challenging environment, Uh, And as Christians, we wonder, how can we persevere? (laughs) And so when we look at this chapter, in in chapter 10, and and our text here, it begins with this word, therefore. If you look in your Bibles, the text begins with the word, therefore. Um, in, in, In this passage, that word, therefore, brings us back to what has been said previously. And the chapter now has this transition In this entire letter, it's moved from a doctrinal statement that's given to so far, and now it moves into the practical application of what has been said. And there are three ways that the author to this letter encourages us to persevere. And let's look at that. How are we to persevere? One, by drawing near to God with confidence. Two, by holding fast to our confession of hope. And three, By considering one another. So let me just say that again. By drawing near to God with confidence. By holding fast to our confession of hope. And by considering one another. Drawing near to God with confidence, 19 to 22. By holding fast to our confession of hope, verse 23. And by considering one another, 24 and 25. Let's have a look in our passage, please. Therefore, brothers, verse 19, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great, high, great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith and with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, we'll have a look at this. What is this confidence? What is this boldness? What is this assurance and what are the holy places? What does it mean for us today to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus? Let me refer, please, to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 to 14. We have these words there. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God purify our conscience. I mean, there's a massive text there, isn't it? You're probably reading this and thinking, whoa, this is really heavy. And what is the author saying to us? He's saying, no more animal sacrifices for the penalty of sin. No more. It is Jesus, the eternal Son of God, the one who was sinless and the perfect one, was sent by the Father into this world as our substitute. And the Bible speaks of him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of his people. And this Jesus, the Son of God, went to the cross on his own volition. And he took my place and he took your place on the cross for our sins and what we might call substitutionary atonement. That is, he substituted himself at the cross for my sin and for yours. And at the cross, at the shedding of his blood, sins are forgiven. I mean, think about that for a moment. We we, we just read the text and we see it. What does it actually mean to be forgiven? What does it mean to you and for myself to be forgiven. So then our grace has the question, what should I be forgiven of? Why do I need to be forgiven? How dare you say I need forgiveness? Forgiveness from what? And so it brings us back to the issue of sin. Does it not? It brings us back to the issue of our own sin before holy God. And the author, I mean, in, in Peter, 1 Peter one eighteen and 19, we read these words very clearly, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. That means, my dear friends, all my sin, everything that I've committed wrong, Before God and before others, as I confess my sins to Jesus, he forgives me and he cleanses me and he clears my conscience and he gives me the freedom to live in the light of his grace. Does that call you to rejoice this morning? To know that my sin has been taken by Christ at the cross. And so the author here is saying that there is a new and a living way which is better than the Old Covenant, where in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, animals were sacrificed for the atonement of our sins, as we know. But this has been done away. The writer points to Christ as the sustainer of all things. Jesus Christ is, is supreme over all things. This is why Christ is the better way. As we see in this passage, no more sacrifices. It is done and it is a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Now, let me take you back, please, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, 38 and 39. The curtain, what does it mean? Well, the curtain shut off the Holy of Holies in the temple, which excluded anyone from going inside the inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, except for the high priest. And something happened when Jesus was crucified. And in Mark chapter 15, we read these words. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple was torn in, in two, from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. The curtain was torn, rent asunder from top to bottom. Imagine that. And it clearly signified now that there is access into the very throne room of God through whom? Through the finished work of Jesus. And so the author is saying here, there is no more curtain, but you and I today have direct access into the very presence of God through faith in Christ alone. Think about that. 24-7, wherever we are in the world, we can come before the Holy God. We have access into the Holy God through Jesus Christ his Son. You don't need to call Jesse and say, "Can I come through you, Jesse, to go to God? We don't have to call anyone else. we don't have popes in our churches, yeah, but you and I today can go right into the very presence of the very throne room of God and cry out, Abba, Father, because this God has opened the through Christ has opened the way, for, and for me, I was driving down from Melbourne this morning, what a beautiful morning driving to drive uh, into into your area here in Bendigo. And as I was driving, I was looking at the wonderful hills and the beautiful trees, and the sun was shining, and I was, I was singing in my car, there was no one else there, so that was okay. Uh, Giving praise to God for a new day that God has blessed us with. Giving praise to God for the, the joy of salvation. Giving praise to God that we can come together and and, and and worship this great God through faith in Jesus Christ into the very throne room of God to bring to him our needs our supplications our, 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 our ups and downs in life. life is complex, is it not? sometimes we can hit the cruise button and we can be cruising along in life, other times it's just a valley <laughs> and sometimes it's so complex and we all have our trials and testings along the way, correct? And we can come to this God and bring all our needs, all our supplications, all our praise. And we can cry out to this God with our tears, both sometimes externally and sometimes even within. And bring these things to our God and say, Lord, I thank you that I can come into your very presence. I have access into your presence through the finished work of Jesus your son, and I can cry out to you as my God and as my Father. What a blessing. What a comfort. What a glorious hope. Is it not? What a confidence. No wonder the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is the comfort that we have this morning. This is the confidence that we have to come into the presence of the living God. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 8 says this. The author writes, he puts everything in subjection to him. He left nothing outside of his control. And the writer points to Christ as the sustainer of all things. And Jesus Christ is therefore the new and living way. And it is through him alone that we have access to God. That is through Jesus, the high priest. Everyone who has repented of their sin and turned to God in faith through Jesus, now we have access to the living God. This is the most amazing and comforting aspect of our faith. And this access to God with confidence is not because of who we are, Or what we have done. Can we come to God and say, look at me. How good I am. I'm a good person. I'm a righteous person. I haven't done anything wrong. I live a good life. I don't hurt other people. So God, you should be pleased with me. No, no. We don't come with that, isn't it? Our confidence here is... In the work of Jesus Christ, we come, we have access to come to God with confidence or assurance only through the blood of Christ. So this morning, my dear friends, let us draw near to God with confidence. Verse 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Four things, with a true heart. A genuine heart. How is your heart this morning? I'm not talking about a physical heart. Uh, I hope that is going well as well. (laughs) I'm talking about our spiritual heart. How is that? How is my spiritual heart with God today? Am I coming to God with a true heart, a genuine heart that has experienced His grace, His mercy? It is having a relationship and fellowship with God. Coming in full assurance of faith. With certainty. With assurance. Let me ask you a question. If the Lord was to call us home today. Do you think. If you are a Christian. That you can say for certainty this morning. I will be with Christ in heaven. Do you think so? I won't ask you to raise your hands. Let me ask you the question. What is the assurance of our salvation? Clearly. We can say this morning, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if God was to call me and death was to strike me, I will be in the presence of God, in, in his presence. For Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. I have gone to prepare a place for you. I will be with him. Why? Because we have the assurance of what Christ has done for you. Correct? Amen to that. Amen to that. Often, I've been a pastor for many years and done many pastoral visits. And Jesse was part of the congregation where I was in a pastor. Uh, Remember those days? Took Jesse out visiting sometimes to visit people in their homes. And occasionally, I would ask them the question, "What? tell me about your salvation. How how sure are you? Well, I'm not really sure. I hope I'm good enough. None of us are good enough. Are you? How good is good? Only the goodness of God in Christ gives us that assurance. That assurance of salvation. The blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of, you know, the hymn, Glory Divine. (laughs) Blessed assurance. I want to encourage us this morning, including myself, to have that blessed assurance. Oh yes Lord, I am a sinner saved by grace, but I come to you Lord with the confidence of the finished work of Jesus Christ and I bring my life to you and and I cry to you as my savior. My assurance of salvation is in you. My assurance of life is in you. Everything that I am is because of you. My life is wrapped in you because you have wrapped yourself in me through Jesus Christ. That is grace. God's grace. To you and to me. How else more are we to persevere? He <laughs> says, by holding fast to our confession. Verse 23. Let us hold fast, in your, in your Bibles, hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. The text, my dear friends, challenges us that we must hold fast to the confession of our hope. Let me read Hebrews uh, chapter 4 and verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. What is your confession this morning? The confession of hope. It is one thing, uh, I think the house is proud who said it's one thing to profess faith. Anyone can get up and do that. But it is another thing to actually possess faith. Right? One thing to profess, but it's another thing to actually possess faith. And the text here is saying to hold, by holding fast to the confession of your profession of faith in Christ, and it is the confession of our hope. That is, this is the essential substance of our faith. And as we live in a culture today, we will be challenged. On uh, uh, of our faith in Jesus Christ. Are, are we not? You go tomorrow to your workplace, your colleague might say, well, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe in God. Look at our culture that we live in today. We have what we might call the new phrase, cancel culture, you heard that phrase? We live in a, in a, in a society that is, we hear this new phrase again, woke, wokeness, you heard that? And I often think about young people, I often think about young adults who are at, uh, in our universities. Think about them. Christian young men and women. Christian young men and women in the workforce. Uh, some young man said to me, actually my son, said to me, Dad, he's in the construction industry, okay? And he said, uh, Dad, I wonder about uh, you guys, do you actually live in the real world? <laughs> That's people like myself. Because the real world is different from your world, Dad. That I can live in the bubble of Christian ministry and Christian ministers and it's a nice space to be in, isn't it? You're Christianized. Okay? But when you get into the real world, it's a different world. And the question is, how do we live in the real world, including myself? And how do I deal with... With the, with the pressure that is put upon you and me to compromise our faith, to compromise our beliefs, to compromise what we think. And that is a real challenge. And the text is saying to us this morning to, it's to, to hold fast to this confession of hope. And what is hope? Everyone lives in hope, correct? Everybody has some kind of hope. I hope I'll have a great job. I hope I'll be able to buy a big house. Well, what else more? What are other things that people hope for? I hope my health will be great. I hope when I go to the doctors, the result will not be a bad one. We live in hope, isn't it? Every day. But for the Christian, our hope is grounded in Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That is my hope. We don't live without hope. Our hope is not hopeless. Our hope is filled with hope because it is grounded in Christ. So that whatever happens in my life, this God will keep me safe and secure in his hands because my hope is in him. That's the first thing. But we are called here to hold fast to that confession. To hold fast to our belief. To hold fast to Christ. To not compromise the word of God, to hold fast to what God has done in us, the substance of our faith. In other words, friends, let us not compromise that faith that we have in Christ. Holding fast to that confession. Dr. Stephen Lawson puts it this way. He says, uh, humanism says man is the is uh, man is truth, is the truth. Pragmatism says whatever works is the truth. Pluralism says everyone has a piece of the truth. Relativism says each situation determines the truth. Mysticism says intuition is the truth. Skepticism says no one can know the truth. Hedonism says self-determination is the truth. Secularism says this present world is the truth. Positivism says whatever man confesses is the truth. And this is the world in which we live. It's a rejection of truth. That's the challenge, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To hold fast to this confession of hope. To hold fast to Christ. When the pressure is brought upon us, to hold fast to what we believe through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been challenged for your, your faith in Christ? Never? Never been challenged in the workplace? Never been challenged when you talk to your neighbors and colleagues and friends? Why do you believe in Jesus? That's crazy. Don't you think, have you left your brain behind? <laughs> Don't you understand this world? There are many ways to God. If there is a God, why is there, why is there suffering? Good question. And this is the real challenge for us. And, and, and the author is encouraging us to persevere. And to hold fast to this confession of hope. And my question to you this morning is, what is your confession of hope today? Can you confess that Jesus Christ is your Savior? In other words, have you been born again? Have you been regenerated by the Holy Spirit? Did you know Christ? That's the confession of hope. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to these, his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, get this, to a dying hope. if you know the Bibles. No, no, it is to a, a living hope, alright? And this living hope is through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Why are we here this morning? Let put me put the question this way. If Jesus has not risen from the dead, okay, and if he is not alive, then what's the purpose of you and I gathering this morning? I won't be driving two and a half hours to get to this place if my Savior Christ is dead. What do you think? Are we worshipping, in other words, a dead Savior or a living Savior? Huh? a living savior let's be clear about that right our jesus died on the cross and after three days he was raised from the dead he appeared over a period of 40 days giving convincing proofs of his resurrection he appeared to over 500 people he appeared to the apostle paul on the road to damascus he ate fish and he was with his disciples after the resurrection, and then the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 and in Luke chapter 24, he ascended into heaven. This is our living Lord. And sometimes it's kind of hard to, I don't know, to, to, to get your head around this, isn't it? Because we're living life so busy, day-to-day things take, take us time to do things, and sometimes we, we, we forget that this Savior Jesus Our Savior is alive. And that he walks with us. And he journeys with us. And he holds us by the right hand. And he's with us every day and every moment through the power of his Holy Spirit. And we can cry to this living Lord who is seated at the right hand of the Father, the great high priest, and is interceding for you and for me. The author to the book of Hebrews speaks about that as well. The intercessory work of Christ. Bring in your needs and my needs and our prayers to the eternal Father as our advocate. That is our hope, yes? And that hope is there. Even when we are close in our dying moments, breathe in our last. There may be even 10,000 people around us. We all die alone, but for the Christian, we will never die alone. Because our Savior is with us. Do you see that? That's our living hope. And the Bible tells us, without wavering, don't waver, for the one who promised is faithful. We sing a hymn, I think it's number 25 in the Rejoicing Book. I hope I got that right. Great is your faithfulness, O God my Father. Great is your faithfulness. There is a faithful God. This is the Elohim God. This is the Adonai God, the ruler. This is the Yahweh God, the covenant-keeping God. This is the faithful God who never changes. I am God. And because he is faithful, we can trust him. Our faithful God. He who promised is faithful. We can stop there, isn't it? You probably think, yes, Chris, we should stop there. But this is the faithful God that you and I have. Let me encourage us this morning to hold fast to this confession of hope without wavering, for God who promised is faithful. And then the text says, How are we to encourage one another to persevere by considering one another? Look look at verse 24-25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, drawing near. The word consider means to pay attention, to contemplate, intense attention, pay attention to one another. How? This is a congregation here, right? We all, I believe, know one another reasonably well unless you are a visitor here this morning. And I don't know about you, but I love meeting with God's people because it encourages me. (laughs) It encourages me to come like a place like this today and to pray with with you to pray with Jesse and the others this morning. Because for me, it's an encouragement because I know that there are other believers with me that I'm not alone on this journey. That there are other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are journeying alongside us. And what an encouragement that is, isn't it? Just as we encourage those two kids to run fast as they could and when there is cheering going on, we get encouragement, don't we? And meeting together, don't you feel encouraged? On the Lord's Day, we come together and we meet and we worship our God and we talk to one another and we sing our songs of praise and we pray to our God or we have, I don't know what happens after your service, maybe there's a couple, probably there is, and we meet one another and we encourage one another. Don't you feel encouraged? That's what it is, isn't it? To encourage, to love and good works. Do not neglect to meet, to assemble together. Three ways to keep looking ahead. Three things that he says here. To consider one another. To love and good works. How can I stir or provoke others in the congregation to love and good works? When anyone trusts in Christ as his or her Savior, they they become part of the body of Christ. Part of the church family. So you are the family here in Eagolog, correct? And as a family, in our normal families, there's always sometimes ups and downs and challenges. But a family encourages one another. When someone is feeling low, someone else will come and encourage you, right? We, we, we do that with our own family members, don't we? If someone's going to a rough time, well, encourage them. We rejoice with them when they achieve things in life. When one part of the family is hurting, we hurt. When one part of the family is rejoicing, we rejoice with them. There is family life. Don't you think so? Families are great. We meet as families. And there's dynamics in a family. Every family is unique. Every child is unique. They all have their own characteristics and everything. And so also in the body of Christ, we're all one body, but each of us have our own personalities, correct? We have our own temperaments and we are a peculiar people but we are redeemed sinners and the family works together as we support and encourage one another to love and to good works and, and so I want to encourage us as a congregation to support one another, to encourage one another. We have an enemy outside in this world but we don't need more wo- the enemy to get a foothold in the house of the Lord's people, do we? We have a battle already with the world outside. But here yeah, in the family of God, we need to encourage one another. In When we meet together and maybe after the service, a word of encouragement to each other. How would that go for your week ahead? <laughs> your pastor preaches a sermon. I know sometimes my sermons, I come down the pulpit and think, ah, oh, that sermon didn't go down too well. And some person at the front door says, oh, Chris, It's a good message i'm thinking lord thank you that you're a god of grace (laughs) we need to encourage one another and so he says to love and to good works there is no room for individualism in the church family and 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 so such we we, we're called to do this And, and the church family is called to stir one another to love and good works and real love real love is tough do you agree it's not like the romantic songs that we hear on love. <laughs> the great songs, don't get me wrong. But real love is tough. You know why? Real love will call me to sacrifice. Real love will push the boundaries. Real love will call me to forgive. Real love will show practical care for one another. And real love will push the boundaries not to think of self, but of others. And is that easy? I don't think so. It takes effort. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why Galatians chapter 5, 22, 23. But the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, there you go. You Got the old text there love and, and, and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things, there is no law. And this is, this is, I, I, I am a selfish person in and of myself, and it is only the Holy Spirit who can pour out his love into my heart to love. you get the point? And I want to encourage us to start praying that the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the spirit of love will flow from my heart. In my home, in my relationship with my wife, if you're married, or with my children or your neighbors, Lord, may your love pour out of me. May your love pour in the life of this congregation of eager love so that the community around you will say, Oh, wow, they are known by their love. <laughs> One for Christ and for each other. So here it is, isn't it? And then it says here, do not forsake neglecting, that is, do not forsake to to meet together. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Now, habits, we all have habits. But the danger here is, is it's saying, if you get into the habit of not coming to church on one Sunday, the next Sunday you feel like sleeping in, the other Sunday you think, well, I'll go online and look at a sermon, which is all right. You think... Uh, And in the lockdown period of COVID, I don't know about you, I found it pretty hard. (laughs) Watching sermons online was great, but I found it very hard not being actually able to meet with God's people, right? And there is a place for that. If you're an older person and you can't come come to church because of physical uh, challenges, that is a great online opportunity. But for those of us who can come, let us not forsake the meeting together on the Lord's Day. What do you think? Right? Uh, John Chrysostom said this, As iron sharpens iron, so also fellowship increases love. For if a stone rubbed against a stone sends forth fire, how much more a person in contact with a person. So as believers, we need what we call the means of grace to grow in our faith and to fellowship with one another. The word of God, the sacraments, prayer, fellowship, worshiping together on the Lord's day. And a significant of a part of this growth is to meet and worship the Lord together. Churchless Christianity is widely unbiblical. Recently there was an artificial intelligence church service. Did you know about that? It was held in Germany. For forty-five minutes, the German chancellor was there as well. The whole service was done by artificial intelligence. I mean, Jesse, we might be without a job soon, <laughs> right? There were avatars and um, a sermon was preached, all artificial intelligence in Germany. About 300 people packed the place, 45-minute service. I think that is great. We don't even have to get to church. There might be AI services soon. You can see the challenge. But to those of us who can come and must come, the warning is don't get into the habit of neglecting public and corporate worship. We can easily fall into the habit, just stay away from church one Sunday and the next and the next and the next, and it becomes a habit. And we have to encourage one another. Look at this text, my dear friends, in verse 25b. Encouraging one another, and all the more as you see something. What is happening? What's your text saying? As you see the day approaching. What is this day? What is this day? What day is approaching? malachi the prophet spoke about a day approaching and there was silence for 400 years before the in in the intertestamental period and the day approaching could be from malachi's point of view was one of course the coming of christ but it's also talking about a day that is going to come and it is a day that is going to be of judgment and everything else but this day, from our perspective, is saying, encourage one another as you see the day approaching. And you might say, What day, Chris? How long have we been waiting for? Oh boy, oh boy. When is Christ? This day that is, that is being spoken of, my dear friends, is, is, is a day that is coming to a climax. It is a day when Jesus will. Return, and what a day that will be you see this world is not just floating and bubbling along it's not going it's there is a there is a destination we think that we can control the creation don't we but there is a day coming and the bible says that jesus who rose physically from the dead on the third day, he appeared, as I mentioned over period 40 days, he went back to the Father and sat the right hand. And the Bible tells us that this Jesus will return one day. And he will come the way he went. And every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. That's the day of the Lord. Are you looking forward to that day? Are you? Yes? Yes, we can't wait for that day to come, unless the Lord calls us home before that day. But if we are here, we are praying, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, come. We are longing for that day. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. And what a day that will be, my dear friends, when Christ returns and he makes all things new. And there will be a great redeeming of God's people, but there will also be a day of judgment. And Christ will come, not as gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He will come as the judge of the living and the dead. And he will exercise his judgment. And he will exercise his authority as he does now, but in a more visible way. And all those who are in Christ, whose names are in the Lamb's book of life, are redeemed forever. And those who are not will suffer the consequences of eternal damnation of hell itself. And Christ will judge. But to us, what a glorious day that will be. And we'll be able to see our Savior. I mean, just think about that. I, I can't wait to see the face of Jesus. Can't, can you? I mean, I can't wait to see my Lord's face. And what a day that will be for God's people who are crying out, How long, Lord? How long? Christ will return, the Lamb of God, the triumphant King. That's the encouragement to persevere. Is that a good enough encouragement for us this morning? I think so. So here we are, as we conclude. Keep on persevering. How? By drawing near to God, confidence, by holding fast to our confession of hope, and by considering one another to stir one another up. Love and good works. Looking forward to the day that Christ will come. <laughs> May God bless each of you this morning. May we all together behold the splendor of our Savior. Hold fast to our confession. Draw near to God with confidence. And consider how we can stir one another. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Pray that you'll encourage each of us here this morning to persevere in our faith and to trust in you, Lord. And bless your precious people here In this congregation here at Eagle Hawk, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10 a.m. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.